Hello, this is Paul, and I just want to say hello. Thank you for dropping in to listen to Chapter 9 of the ongoing serial Twin Furs. Uh, in this episode, and this is the first time that I've broken in to explain anything, in this episode there is a reference to suicidal ideation near the end, just to give you a heads up, which is so extremely common among men who are gay, especially men who are gay who grew up in the 1980s and 1990s. And I guess it's still actually extremely common today, very sad to say. I'm delighted you're here with me. If you enjoy this reading, you can also read the printed version, which is available at uh, the CascadianWesternRailroad.com website. And as always, I am delighted to hear your feedback. Please send me messages, leave me responses, replies. And now, here's Chapter 9 of Twin Furs. Chapter 9. The Replacement Actor Ethan and Leo stood in the front row, waving their hands in the air, singing along to the encore of Mamma Mia. Behind them were 200 gay men harmonizing. It was a sense-around gay men's chorus. Kelsey and the rest of the cast took their final bows. The house exploded with wild applause, and a joyous feeling of love and acceptance washed over the crowd. The older men had tears in their eyes. The house lights came up, and the men drifted toward the exits, laughing and singing musical phrases from their favorite ABBA songs. The drag queens playing Donna's girlfriends were hysterical, Leo bubbled. Everybody loves them, Ethan agreed. We've got to congratulate Kelsey. Ethan smirked. Don't worry, she knows the show's a hit. That's why it runs Saturday nights when the resort is full. Yeah, I wasn't able to book a room for the night. Ethan pretended he didn't hear. He pushed his way past the yammering fans and held open the stage door for Leo. Backstage, the drag queens were the focus of attention. The same actors played roles as men in Evita and Moulin Rouge, but were hardly noticed. When they put on wigs, they became legendary. I don't see her, Ethan commented as he scanned the crowded hallway. She's probably in her dressing room. Leo watched the fawning fans with discomfort and didn't want to be another one. I don't want to bother her. Are you kidding? She craves attention, Ethan said. Wait here. Kelsey sat quietly in her dressing room, listening to a mindfulness meditation recording. The stage manager knew Ethan was a friend and ushered him in. She saw him in her mirror and pulled out the earphones. Where's your date? It's not a date. Leo didn't want to pester you. He is too adorable. But he's dying to see you. Why didn't he come in? She feigned offense. Listen, Kels, I need a favor. Leo needs a place to stay tonight. What do you mean? He couldn't book a room. She reached around to pinch Ethan's nipple through his t-shirt. You lucky dog! Ow! Hey! He battered away her hand. I can't have him stay at my place. It would ruin everything. If he comes over, he's gonna think we're gonna fuck. And I don't know what to do. How about fuck? No! You know I... Ethan searched her face for understanding, but saw none. 
You know all I heard for eight years was how bad I am in bed, and how I don't measure up, and and we stopped even trying, because I couldn't. And if Leo, if Leo comes over tonight, and I'll never see him again. Kelsey turned from the mirror to face Ethan. Your ex was a grade A bitchy queen. That's not Leo. But still, what if I can't because I'm too nervous? Can he sleep on your couch? I don't come home till one, and probably I'll be up all night. Ethan was determined. Please. Eth, darling, I love you. I'd do anything for you, but not that. Kelsey's dressing room door flew open, and the stage manager gruffly announced, Someone's waiting to see you, before pushing Leo inside. Ethan jumped aside. Sorry, uh, I don't want to interrupt. You came back, Kelsey rejoiced, and then gave Ethan a side glance. I thought you were going home. Leo bashfully admitted, I missed the train. Sure you did, she sarcastically replied. Did you like the show? It was great. Better than the movie. Real life is always better than the movie, she pontificated. It's more real. Ethan muttered, oh, please. Kelsey plowed ahead. Did I tell you Charlie didn't text me all day? He doesn't care if he breaks my heart. He wasn't that good a lover, anyway. Anders told me they offered him a contract. Ethan got lost in the non-sequitur. Who's Anders? The replacement, she stated, and then looked at Leo. I know you were watching Anders closely last night and tonight. He was good, Leo played it off. Kelsey gave him a knowing look. Well, we don't know how good yet. Ethan was frustrated. His best friend is joking around with a guy he desperately wants, but can't have. And what he really needs right now is for Kelsey to take him off his hands without offending him or, or pushing him away. Ethan's annoyance crept into his voice. I thought you weren't getting involved with another actor. I'm not getting involved, she scolded, looking between Leo in his Ted Baker dark blue floral print and Ethan in his olive fruit of the loom. She poked Ethan's stomach. I know what I'm getting you for your birthday. Thirty minutes to curtain, the stage manager's voice issued from a small speaker above the door. Thank you, thirty, she hollered in reply. Several actors could be heard in the hall echoing the same response. Anders burst through the door. Thank you, thirty. We still on tonight, Kiki? Everyone turned to look. Oh, sorry, didn't know you had company. Anders, Kelsey declared, this is my best friend in the whole world, Ethan, and his, she waved her hand in the air, unsure what to say, Leo. Pleasure meeting you, Anders formally stated in his British accent and shook Ethan's hand. Good to meet you, Ethan replied. Leo was distant. Hi. Anders stiffly shook his hand. Kelsey draped herself on Ethan's shoulder. Ethan was the first person I met when I got here. I was totally lost, got off at the wrong stop on the train, and he kindly showed me around. Oh, Anders searched for an appropriate response. Lovely. 
he ran his fingers through his dark curly hair. You are really good, Leo offered cautiously. Anders' dark brown eyes stared at Leo a moment, then said to no one, Cheers, mate. All right, everybody out. This show has a fast turnaround, Kelsey cried. Right, Anders agreed and disappeared through the door. Did he call you kinky? Ethan asked after Anders was out of earshot. No, pervert. Where did kiki come from? It's a theater thing. Don't think about it. Now go. I have to meditate. Leo congratulated her again as they walked out the door. She avoided eye contact with Ethan and closed the door behind them. The guys left the theater and drifted toward the train station. What do you want to do now? Leo asked. Ethan stopped. Why are you interested in me? Leo was thrown off guard. He wasn't ready for blunt honesty. Well, the dog and the squirrels love you, which means you're a good person. Your sideburns and mustache are hot. And your mother seems to approve of me. Why shouldn't I be interested in you? These relationships don't work out, Ethan reasoned. Hooking up with somebody on your vacation isn't real because when you go back to your regular life, you realize you have nothing in common. Maybe, but there's only one way to find out. Leo looked up expectantly in Ethan's eyes. You can't come back to my place. No tourists allowed. Technically, I was supposed to leave yesterday, so anywhere I go now, I'm not allowed. Ethan was torn. He wanted to wrap Leo in his arms, but he was afraid the sex would be what it was with his evil ex. He pulled Leo over to a bench, and they sat beside each other. I had a bad relationship. It kind of fucked things up. I moved here thinking I'd meet my future husband, but after a while, I realized maybe I'm not husband material. Leo considered this. I don't know what husband material is. I've got stuff I'm working through. That's one of the reasons I came here for the week. As if on cue, fireworks exploded overhead, and the sound ricocheted off the storefront facades. Leo crashed into Ethan and knocked him to the ground, piling on top of him to protect him from danger. The explosions continued relentlessly, and Leo's grip on Ethan tightened. His heart was racing. Ethan had the wind knocked out of him. He felt Leo trembling above and his fingers digging into his biceps. It's just fireworks. Hey, relax. It's okay. It's just fireworks. He rolled over to push Leo off and rolled again to face him. Leo's face was a mask of panic and fear. It's okay. It's okay. He pulled Leo close as they laid together on the ground under the flashing sky. You're safe. You're safe. They held each other in a tight embrace, 
for fifteen minutes until the display was over. A few tipsy men walked past. One called out, Get a room! No one stopped to see if they were okay. Ethan hugged Leo until his breathing steadied. As Leo regained control, he pushed away, embarrassed. I I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Leo pushed off the ground and settled on the bench. It's okay, Ethan assured him. Everything is okay. Ethan brushed dirt off his pants and sat beside him. He took Leo's hand. You can just be. Leo broke. Everything is not okay. Nothing is okay. I don't know how to live in this world. He turned into Ethan's shoulder and quietly sobbed. Ethan let go of his hand and wrapped him in his arms. They sat like this a while. The wind shifted and smoke from forest fires burning to the south seeped into the resort valley. The night sky was still clear and the distant fire smelled like a campsite. Trains for North Mountain Lodge and Mountain Air arrived and departed. Vacationers teased and shouted with each other. The nearly full moon lit up shadows. Ethan and Leo held each other in silence in their own little world. In time, Ethan took a deep breath and thought of his responsibilities. Trikos is in my backyard, locked out of the house. I need to go home. I need to go home, too. Sorry about all this. Leah whispered into Ethan's shoulder. Ethan lowered his forehead to Leo's. Their noses gently touched. Softly, tenderly, their mustaches merged and their lips met. It was a moment of the heart, with their eyes closed as they opened to each other, exposing all their vulnerability and longing. The tiny apartment Anders lived in behind the tourist area for South Timber Valley was crowded with actors, stage technicians, and friends celebrating Anders' contract for one-year employment. Kelsey was freely telling stories about Charlie's infidelities to anyone who would listen. The drag queens were out of makeup and blending with the other thespians. Anders was pouring at the bar. Shortly after one in the morning, Amelie walked in the front door, hung her house keys on a hook beside the front window, and joined Anders at the bar. How was work? he asked. The usual, Amelie answered. I'll fix you a nightcap. He swept her into his arms, and they kissed, the way confident couples do. A few of the actors noticed their new 30-year-old cast member sharing intimacy with the 65-year-old restaurant manager. Let's wrap things up and go to bed, shall we? He whispered in her ear. It's been an eventful day. Leo insisted on camping that night at Twin Furs, saying he needed solitude. Ethan returned home alone. He laid in bed playing the Kiffness song, Sometimes I'm Alone, on auto-repeat. 
It was a clawing earworm that summed up his life. Eventually, Trichos howled in harmony. Ethan's eyes flooded. His brow tightened. His nose ran. He curled into a ball and wept. He is so completely alone. And so lonely. And so hurt from the bandaged-over wounds of his last relationship. Trichos has never seen her best friend like this before, but she knows he's hurting. She can feel his pain. She wished she understood why he's hurting. She wished he'd never leave her behind. Ethan just wants the pain to stop. It's a dangerous feeling. He's experienced it before. He knows where his mind can go. He went there once before, and it put him in the hospital, tied to a bed for months, while his shattered body healed. The doctors treat the wounds, not the cause. Subsequent lovers camouflaged the scars. He didn't know if he slept at all Saturday night, though he must have, because a phone call woke him at 6 a.m. Scheduling, is this Ethan? His brain was groggy. Yes. He put the call on speaker. We need you on short day to cover Station Master at 8 a.m. He groaned. Answering the phone was such an automatic response. He regretted it deeply. By answering, he obligated himself to work any shift they gave him. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday are his scheduled days off, and he's guaranteed 40 hours pay each week. But since he only works 34 hours three eight-hour days at the station, and ten hours on board on Saturday. The dispatchers can mandatory him for another six hours, if they catch him, which they had. Where am I covering? Catch the 8 a.m. to Twin Furs, lock up at 12.53, and return to Mountain Air. Trichos barked as if she understood the meaning of the phone call. Okay, okay, stop barking, Ethan mumbled. Get your leash.